Hey you guys, it's your host Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. With May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I decided to drop this episode a little earlier than planned. This was one of the very first episodes I recorded and is truthfully one that validated exactly what I was hoping this podcast would become. The conversation I had with Sarah Jane was one about her postpartum experience and she was extremely vulnerable and honest with me about how she felt those first couple weeks after her daughter was born and on into, you know, the first couple months, actually. I believe that this conversation is one that anyone who's had a baby or anyone who truthfully has gone through anything that has tried them mentally will be able to relate to. It is all about being able to advocate for yourself, finding your resources, and knowing that you are supported and loved by the people around you. After interviewing her, I really felt bad, (laughs) number one, because one, I am her sister and had no idea she was experiencing these things. And not only that, but I'm her next door neighbor too. Like I should have clued in a million different times to the things that she was showing and the emotional signs that, you know, she was worn down and I didn't. So here's to being better, you and me, and hoping that we can both be a little more educated about this topic because mental health, especially among mothers, is something that I believe just doesn't get enough attention. So tune in and let's get a little more educated together. ago we were lucky enough to hear Ruby's birth story and about your pregnancy and kind of about those first couple days of having Ruby here on the earth but we talked a lot about her and not so much about you (laughs) postpartum which I think is one of the hardest parts of birth and pregnancy and just kind of the hardest part that no one really talks about in my opinion So I would love to kind of hear your experience of how you navigated the fourth trimester is what they call it. How you navigated kind of those first couple weeks after having your baby. Yeah. So I guess we don't really talk that much about postpartum for the mom or for the dad. And, um, For me, like, I'm a person of comfort. I like to get good sleep. I like to exercise on my time. I like (laughs) to kind of have, like, a perfect routine. And What? And you had a baby and you couldn't just stick with it? No. (laughs) And so... Imagine that. I know. It's so... Such a big change. But, like, did anybody tell you that while you were pregnant? In reality? Did anyone ever say to you, like... Your routine is going to go out the window, sis. Like, I think 
some people said to me like start sleeping less because you're gonna get hit by a <laughs> you're like wall. please i'm gonna sleep for 12 hours while i can <laughs> yeah and so i was like man like i wonder how i'll do like i was so nervous and then ruby came and i was ocd and i was like setting an alarm every three hours to feed her and i was pumping so i was like up for hours on end at night is this when you're still in the hospital or like oh when, I when you're home? home okay which is normal i mean they tell you to feed your baby every two to three hours for those first couple weeks so you weren't doing anything wrong mm-hmm. but the sleep deprivation like really really kicked in mm. and i noticed like i started getting really emotional and crying a lot and like almost resenting ruby Mm-hmm. because I was like you're making this situation so hard like you won't nurse so now I'm pumping and I'm not sleeping and now I have mastitis and my husband's sleeping through the night and I'm up all night and like so many things that I like needed to communicate about like with David and like a therapist and like it really started coming down on me a lot and I got like really really down to the point where I felt like I like couldn't function like I couldn't leave the house and mm-hmm. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning and I didn't even want to shower which is crazy for you because you shower like three times a day <laughs> yeah and like I wake up and like I have my routine and like I do all the things like my life is always like in order the best that I can have it be And so having a baby, like, was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life emotionally. And I remember there would be nights where I would literally, like, cry laying on the ground, like, face in the carpet for, like, 30 minutes. And I'd be like, David, take the baby. Like, I can't be around her. Like, I need to, like, step away. And... I was really grateful that I was able to, like, get to the point where I could, like, step away. Because I know a lot of moms, like, and dads probably, like, can't recognize that, like, there's an issue. Um, And so, like, I was very grateful that I could, like, step away from the situation and give myself time to, like, cool down. And um, there were times, too, where it would be, like, the middle of the night and I'd get, like, horrible thoughts about myself and I have never in my life had thoughts like that and um that was like a moment where I was like okay this isn't me this is not healthy and I'm gonna cry about it as you should it's fine we're Um, here to feel and to talk about these hard things Yeah, it was really hard, and I remember saying to David, like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never having a child again. Like, I am not emotionally capable to do this. And turns out, like, this is just a hormonal imbalance. Like, my hormones are going crazy. My body doesn't have, like, enough serotonin, like, the things that my brain needs. And it's completely normal for a mother to experience something like this after they have their child and it's not for the first six weeks it's not for the first 12 weeks it could be 18 months it could be four years it could be your whole 
childbearing years. And, like, it is something that I am really fighting with every single day. Like, and I have to speak with my husband about it openly. And I spoke with my OBGYN about it. And, like, he referred me to an awesome postpartum, like, therapy group. And it's incredible that we have these resources. And I don't know what I would do if I was in a community or, like, a place where postpartum depression wasn't like talked about as much as it is now. I know it's not talked about that much, but like the fact that I can openly talk about my feelings now is incredible because I remember thinking like I'm the only person going through this. I should never have another child. Like my poor husband's dealing with this psycho person and turns out like it's very common and yes, I should have more children now I know there are resources and help and like I can do this there are ways to cope and things you can do and so one of these things that helped me is like making sure I leave the house going to yoga like making sure I have at least 30 30 minutes to an hour by myself like I have to shower every single day and like get myself ready whether it's at 10 p.m or 5 a.m. And these are things like that I have just implemented into my routine to like help me cope. I also get a Diet Coke every single day because I know like if I get too tired, it's gonna get worse. And I stopped breastfeeding because I knew like it was impairing my relationship with my daughter to the point where I was like, I'm mad at my baby. And I'm like, who's mad at their three-week-old child like she's this innocent perfect child who needs me and who needs like the help of her parents and loved ones like she's not the problem you know Mm -hmm. and so it took me a really long time it took me four months or five months to realize like wait I need to stop breastfeeding like yeah you went you tried really hard for a good couple of months to try and make that work with Ruby Mm-hmm. When she turned five months, I remember, like, I said to David, like, we're, I'm going to stop. I need your support. I need your help because I really, really, really wanted to breastfeed. And I cried about it for a really long time because I felt like I wouldn't be bonded with Ruby anymore. Mm. Turns out Ruby loves her bottle. <laughs> and only will eat with me. So, like, she we loves the bottle time with mommy. She's a horrible eater for anybody else, pretty much. Yes. So you still do get that bonding oh, time. and we love each other. Like, it has been so much better ever since I stopped. And I think I've been exercising, like, doing all of these things that have helped so, so much. And I think when you take care of yourself first, then you can take care of your child And when I do have really, really, really low moments, like, which I do all the time, I give Ruby to David and I step away and sometimes I have to leave. Sometimes I can just go in the other room and take 10 minutes for myself, but it is so good that I like realized it then and there and my husband was also very vocal and open with me and telling me like we need to get help this is something that's not going to work (laughs) for date like he's so Mm -hmm. wonderful he's like we can't make this situation work like we need to 
get help. And so I would encourage moms who are experiencing this or dads because postpartum depression affects dads too. Get help. Like go see a therapist or have an outlet for yourself where you feel like you can be with yourself like in tune with yourself for at least 30 minutes a day like it's healthy and it's normal to experience stuff like this like it's so normal so don't get down on yourself and don't let yourself like get to the point where you think that there's no point in getting help or that your doctor's gonna think you're crazy or your family's gonna think you're you're like being dramatic because I know like I have spoken with some people about it and they're like oh like that's just normal and you you need to figure it out you need to figure it out yeah and I'm like Mm. I do you're right I need to figure it out but I'm gonna use the tools so that I never get to the point where I'm like I don't want to be here or I don't want my child like in the same room as me like Mm. so it can get dark and heavy but it's better to talk about it so that you can come up out of the hole and be yourself again because obviously I want to have another child and I'm really grateful that I have realized now that this is something I'm going to probably deal with with maybe not all my kids but but you very well could and mm-hmm. it's so fantastic that you already have come in contact with so many resources that you have this perspective that you were able to clue in with yourself so early you know thanks to people advocating for you thanks for like to your husband being like hey like i know this is hard but like the way that your body is responding is like not in a way that's gonna allow you to be the mother you want to be so let's get you help you know which you know some people are not as fortunate to have someone advocating for them so it's that's why it's so important for women to know just like you said, that this is a very normal thing to experience. One of the biggest issues, especially like you said, with postpartum depression, kind of having a stigma around it and and like the older moms of the older generations being like, sis, it's just normal. You need to learn how to cope. You're just so young. You don't even understand what it's like to have a baby like deal with it. Rather than saying, you know what, like, let me take your baby for an hour so you can go for a walk. That would be so much more helpful, you know, in my opinion. And one of the things that, from a more medical standpoint, that I always would recommend to my patients, because I, I had this experience while I was working at a birth center before I was working on labor and delivery um, in a hospital setting, was that this birth center in particular offered postpartum visits so in a normal OBGYN practice I shouldn't say normal but in a traditional you won't see your doctor again until six weeks after you've had the baby which has always bothered me as a nurse and as just a human because you do go through so many things in those first like five days that by the time you're at six weeks you're either like oh I'm fine now it didn't like it doesn't matter or you've become accustomed to it to the point where like you think it's normal when like it's not normal to be feeling like you don't want to be with your baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like those are those are emotions 
that occur naturally and normally because of the way your hormones are fluctuating. But those are, you know, emotions that need to be addressed. And so for you to not have the opportunity to talk to your doctor until six weeks after has always really bothered me. So what I would encourage patients to do was to request that they could come in at two weeks or at a week or at three weeks or four weeks, whatever they thought they needed or if they didn't think they needed it and then they went home and they realized that they were in a bad spot, it was to call their doctor immediately and come in, come in for a visit. Because like you said, there are so many resources available and like medications to get you leveled back out to an extent where you can function and like start to cope with the sleep deprivation and start to cope with this loss of identity that kind of gets ignored during pregnancy because you're in this big like experience of becoming a mother and growing a baby and this new life change that's so beautiful and wonderful and so many people like want it and this is like the next step in your life that you should just be overjoyed about but like the reality of it is you have a baby and all of the sudden there is a human that is 100% dependent on you like you don't have time to go into your routine every single day at the time you want to you know like it, the it's reality of it is is that just doesn't happen for the majority of people out there mm-hmm. I believe I'm sure there probably are people out there that do have go a really on. seamless experience I'm like, wow. I know, I'm like that's amazing for them I hope that you know that's what works for them and that's fantastic but from my own personal experience, from the experience of the people that I interact with most often, they don't have this seamless transition of like, oh, my life just went on and we just added a baby. Exactly. You know, it's like, no, this baby entered your life and now your life changes for a lot of reasons. And you have to figure out how to get back to a sense of self that you kind of lose when you find yourself as a mother. So it's kind of like a toss-up because, you know, you you take on this new role and it's beautiful and wonderful, but all of a sudden it can feel very devastating to be like, well, before I had my baby, I was ABC and now I'm what? Like, I have no time. I can't do anything I want to do. You know, I feel like it's just very important to be aware that that's something you'll most likely experience and finding the resources that work for you is like the number one key way to make it through it which for you you said is like yoga or getting a diet coke or making sure you get ready for the day every day Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like those things are important to you and really just shift your mindset from like i hate today to like i can do today exactly and it doesn't even have to be today's going to be great it can be i can do today yeah and if today is still a crappy day at least I'm in a cute outfit. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There would be days where I would like text David and be like, will you just come downstairs and like help me get her dressed? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, will you help me get her bathed? Like, will you help me get myself like going? Will you make a bottle for her? And now like every day David like makes an effort before he goes to work like, he takes the baby, he'll change her diaper, he will feed her, he will make sure that she's, like, out of her sleep sack 
so that if I do wake up and it's one of those days, like, I have, like, ten minutes to, like, okay. Take a breath and, like, reset. Today's going to be one of those days. Yeah. How are we going to cope? Like, how are we going to make sure that Ruby is okay and that our relationship is okay? And I think a lot of it, too, is, like, the circumstance that you're in, your environment. Mm. And with Ruby, like, it was one thing after the next, like, She's in the NICU. We come home. She has sort of call us. Then we're doing PT. Then she's getting a helmet. Then we find out she has bladder reflex. And we have all these bills and no sleep. And I'm in school. My -hmm. husband's in school. He's working. I am not working anymore. Like, we don't have an income. So there are all of these factors that come in that are causing stress in my life because, like, it was not... The perfect circumstance or whatever you want to call it but it now I look back and I'm like that's exactly what I needed like my life has been picture perfect like my whole life basically and now I'm like whoa this is real life these are the hardships that are not even hard compared to most people and I need to learn how to cope like I need I needed those experiences and I'm sure more are going to come that I know that I need and I've been so blessed to have a husband that is like a rock in all things where he really handles everything with like (laughs) such peace and faith and like calmness like I don't even know how else to say it like he's just has such a firm head just this level head Mm -hmm where I'm a complete mess and he's like, hey, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to pray. We're going to go do exactly what we need. If we need to go to the temple, we'll have Ruby. Like, if there's something that we need to do, we're going to do it. And I think that also has helped me cope. Like, if you don't have a husband like that and you don't have a family like that, reach out to your midwife your OB to your friend or to me talk to seriously yourself. I know. <laughs> come I'm on like, this podcast and we can chat for two hours no, seriously. and you'll feel better <laughs> seriously so I would just say open your mouth like as soon as I started talking about it you start to realize whoa there are problems we have to find a solution and if you don't open your mouth if you don't open up and speak about it whether it's to yourself whether it's to your dog Mm. like you will not get out of it it's a spiraling (laughs) circle like it's a horrible it's just a black hole that you just can't get out of and some people do and they're incredible but for me it's it was so hard and it still is so hard i'm still struggling with it now so Honestly, I would just advise you to do the best that you can with the resources that you have, and it'll be okay. Like, you'll come out of it if you can realize that there is there are things that need to change. So I'm jumping back just a little bit, but when do you feel like you started noticing these things in yourself initially? Was it while you were at the hospital? Because it can, it can literally hit you 12 hours after birth. Your hormone shift is so dramatic. Some people really do experience 
you know, these like extreme mentality changes mm-hmm. within the first 48 hours. Exactly Other people, it doesn't hit them for months though, you know, so yeah. you feel like it was pretty early on for you. Mm-hmm. Like Ruby went to the NICU and that's when it hit me. Like I remember all of a sudden I would have like, I'd be the happiest person myself. And then like two hours later, I would be like uncontrollably sobbing. Like two nurses would come in and be like, are you okay? How can we help you? Like completely out of control. Like to the point where David was just like sitting and holding me and he's like trying to work. He's like, oh Sweet my David. gosh. Like, <laughs> and then I wasn't able to have a conversation like with someone. Like if mom would call, I'd be like, I need to call you back. Like I couldn't like function like a normal human being. Or no, I shouldn't say normal, but just like myself. No, like, but you, you didn't myself. feel like yourself. Mm. And so I remember being like, this is so weird. Like when I was happy, I'd be like, David, what's wrong? Like what's wrong with me? And he's like, I don't know. Like, fine. It's fine. He's like, this is you, but like 50 times bigger than your normal <laughs> emotions. Because I like, sometimes I'm super high, sometimes I'm super low. Which we all are. And so he was like, don't worry, like, this is, you're fine. Like, yeah, it's just, well, he probably just was just like, this room. is just an exaggerated situation where like, you're just feeling all the feels, your baby's in the NICU, yeah. like we're going to be okay. But in a week, we're going to be okay. Away, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at that point, he was like, wait. It's been 13 weeks. Why are we still having meltdowns to the point where you can't, like, grasp yourself and the bearings around you? Like, why can't you, like, control yourself, you know? So to you didn't – did you reach out to a doctor prior yeah, to this? That, yeah, I So did. when did you reach out for My help? My six-week Okay, so you waited for your six week though. Mm-hmm. Those and first then I, six like, weeks. I filled out postpartum papers with pediatrician appointments, and mm-hmm. so like it's been a journey. Yeah, which I do know that they do, like surveys at your pediatric appointments as well as your six week appointment. Mm-hmm. Did your answers on like your pediatric appointments ever reflect that you were feeling this way though, or? Did you kind of, I don't want to say like fake your answers because that's the wrong thing, but like maybe you were having a really good day when you went to Ruby's one month appointment. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, do you feel happy most of the time? Yeah, I'll do a four on like this scale of one to six. So your doctor's not like, oh, she put a two. You know what I mean? Like those, those surveys as wonderful and helpful as they are can sometimes be... You know, like just one more thing that people are like, I'm fine. I don't need yeah, help. Yeah, this is, good. yeah, I feel fine right now. Mm-hmm. In two hours, were they to get that survey, like it'd probably be zeros all the way. You know what I mean? Like totally. it would be totally different answers. But for you and your experience, did, like, did your pediatrician ever bring up your postpartum survey to you at your appointments? So the six-week appointment, luckily my OB, like, specializes in, mental health for the mothers like postpartum depression and he like because he just has a really cool like history of learning and studying of it and cool yeah he's just made that part of his practice yes and so I was actually open with him before I even had Ruby that Mm. I was like I'm experiencing weird feelings like when I was pregnant I was like I'm just like so sad like (laughs) 
mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm so sad. I'm crying all the time. And he was like, oh, like mothers can experience depression when they're pregnant. And we talked about it. And he was like, I want you to call me two weeks after you have Ruby if you experience mm-hmm. anything. I want you to call me. I want you to communicate with me. And he actually did. He called me at two weeks. And he said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Which, at that point, I hadn't realized. Like, yeah, you're like, wait, oh, <laughs> can I call you back in an hour? <laughs> so, like, you're right. Like, those moments where I'm like, I feel great right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, that night, I'm sure I was a complete mess. But I told him, I'm like, I'm super emotional. Like, he's like, that's normal. Yeah, which Let's I mean. Let's talk again in two weeks, you know. So then he calls me again, and I explain to him, like, this is how I feel. But I've gotten to the point where I can give Ruby to David, and I can take time for myself. He's like, that's exactly what you need to do. Mm. You are taking the right steps. So at six weeks, I fill it out. And honestly, I filled out stuff, like, I think as honestly as I could. But he told me, like, we talked about it, and he was like, you are not to the point where you need to be medicated unless you want to be. Mm. Like, I will let you, like... He felt like you had created these coping mechanisms skills. for yourself to if the I point where you were functioning. Medicated, like, I didn't need to, but he was also mm. like... But if you want it, if you want, I can prescribe. You, mm. you can try. And, yeah. and obviously, I didn't want to be medicated. I don't know why. I just, like, get nervous about putting stuff in my body that I don't know completely. Everybody has their own thing with that. That's fine. I know. And so I, like, opted to not be medicated, and he's just, like, followed up with me. Mm -hmm. So with the pediatrician stuff, like, they only brought it up to me once and just said, like, how are you feeling? How are you coping with your emotions? And it wasn't even with the first pediatrician. It was with the second Mm. pediatrician. Um, and I just said, like, I'm doing so much better. I feel like I am because, you know, I've, like, found these outlets that help me so much. But he's like, I'll check in with you in a month if mm-hmm. anything has changed. Like, I have been so fortunate to have these doctors that are, like... Such proactive yes. doctors that are advocating and, for you as well. Yeah, and my OB also was like, here's this therapy place, like, call them. And he gave me a different number, too, when I was, like, 26 weeks pregnant. Like, he Mm -hmm. was so, so, like, vigilant about making sure I was okay. And I think, like, OBs, midwives, whoever is going to help you through your birth process and parenting, like, new life of being a parent, I think they need to be more, like, aware communicating with you because if someone wasn't asking me and like holding me accountable I don't know like I don't know where I would have been if I didn't have David if I didn't have my OB if I didn't have these pediatricians that are constantly calling me holding me accountable and like siblings you know like Mm -hmm. we have a brother that like continually calls to check in and make sure I'm okay and I love that Mm -hmm. because then I'm like oh like, wait, today was not good. Got to write it down so then I can talk about it the next time I was there. Because we forget. Like, we're humans. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's good, good to not dwell good. on the bad days. Like, mm-hmm. there's power in being able to move forward after you've had a bad day and mm-hmm. say, like, tomorrow's going to be better. I don't need to dwell on, like, 
the fact that yesterday was shizzy. Yeah. <laughs> but there also is a lot of power in being able to say, like, no, yesterday was really crappy. And, like, be it's there, embrace it, talk about it, work through it, and then let it go. You know what I mean? Like, rather than just brushing it under the rug, which I think so often happens just because of the way our culture is and the way that, you know, being a, a mentally unstable mother, yeah. <laughs> like, quote, like, unquote, you, don't even have time you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you're trying to do X, Y, Z every single day, but, like, once you get your bearings and you're like, okay, I feel good, on to the next thing. Like, okay, I have other stuff that I need to do. So, I don't know. I also just think I have been, like, so fortunate to have family, um, like, extended family that have been very open about mental health mm-hmm. and um, friends that have come to me and been like, this is my therapist. She's the best. Call her. Mm-hmm. Like, I told her about you. You were going to call. Like, there are so many people see therapists, like, psychiatrists. Like, it's amazing. Like, I wish people talked about it more and, like, I just think we get so, like, nervous or embarrassed or what people will perceive of us, but, like... It's hard to be vulnerable. Like, people... It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to accept it. Like, there's no... There's not a single person, I don't think, who doesn't struggle with, like, the feelings of being scared or OCD or depression or anxiety or, like, crazy amounts of stress or, like, shyness. Like, social anxieties. Like, oh my gosh, I have that. Like, I can't even talk to people I saw in high school anymore because I get so nervous. Like, you know? Yeah. No, and so all very normal feelings. They're normal. But putting words to it can be hard, and being vulnerable and open can be so hard. But mm-hmm. I think you have found the power in, like, putting words to how you feel yeah. and what opening up can do for you and relieving those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think that, from what you have said, sounds like it's been a game changer for you, which is fantastic that you've been able to kind of navigate that and find, you know, what works for you. Which, like you said, I would encourage anyone and everyone out there to try and find out what their outlets are, find their resources, get in contact with anybody. You can literally DM me. I will respond and say, hey, it's fine. I had a bad day yesterday, too. Let's chat about it. It's fine. It can be anybody, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever you need. But taking that first step can sometimes be the hardest part. Yeah. On a lighter note, yeah. <laughs> we always laugh about the postpartum um, recovery. SOA. <laughs> I just, I just want you to talk about it if you're comfortable because you always make me laugh when you talk about how healing your crotch was the worst oh, thing of your entire life <laughs> and i feel like I it's also something no one told you <laughs> well i'm like i don't know if there are other moms out there that were like wth <laughs> i'm what absolutely happened? sure that there are <laughs> because oh you birthed a cantaloupe oh a watermelon <laughs> yeah ruby, except ruby wasn't that big she so was only like, like six and a half pounds yeah so dramatic <laughs> so Okay. Worst we, worst part. Where do I even start? Worst okay, part. Okay, so this is hilarious. Way TMI. 
We're going to go into the piano. <laughs> I'm ready. I am taking my first bowel movement. <laughs> taking your first bowel movement? After I have Ruby. <laughs> this is two hours after birth, I think, or like three hours. And I am not okay, you guys. I am laughing. Like, I'm like, David, David, like that. And David's like, are you okay? What is going on? I'm like, I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Something's wrong. So I call the nurse. And I'm like, am I done? going to the bathroom or like is that like a hemorrhoid like what's wrong and so my, my nurse comes in and she's like wipes my bum way too rough and I scream and I was like ow and she's like what's wrong and I was like okay wasn't poo <laughs> you're like that was my butthole that, that was, was that a hemorrhoid. was not poop so you guys I was not okay Hemorrhoids are real. Oh my gosh. And you can ask the nurse to wipe your butt. Don't. I'm like, don't ask them. They will rub it too hard and then you'll cry and you'll need to get your peri bottle and freaking, I don't even know, put some witch hazel in it and do your thing. But, so, that was the first, like, that was horrible. And I was like, oh no, my body isn't the same. So then I realized, like, I can't sit up. Because when I sit up, my bum's really sore. Um, and then I found out that you're supposed to take ibuprofen and Tylenol. And I didn't for the first two weeks. Which so, kind of, like, shocks me. I know again, I know we've dumb, talked about your dumb nurse. nurse. Yeah. Which makes me sad that that didn't was your experience. But I'm like, how did that fall through? <laughs> just the, like, having been on the nursing side of it, I just don't literally understand logistically how you never got medications because they like come up on your work list of yeah. this patient needs this you know what I mean like there are meds that aren't scheduled that you would have just had to ask for yeah but like your ibuprofen and your Tylenol should have been on like the work list so I'm like mm, so okay. I had it for like the first like 14 hours or something until I got that nurse so Oh, I'm wow. sweating. It's fine. I have, I'm sitting by here, and we're really And I'm hot. 36 weeks pregnant and sweating. Yeah, so <laughs> I ended up going to the pharmacy like two weeks later to get something for my little Ruby, and they were like, are you here to uh, fill your ibuprofen? And I was like, what? You're like, my what first ibuprofen? ibuprofen? What are you talking about? And they are like, didn't you just have a baby? And I was like, Goodbye. Give me that ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it better be free. I was like, <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> so I um, had a rough, rough, rough first two weeks. And I had the night sweats and I got a UTI. Uh. Um, so I was like going to the bathroom and I would text like Anna and be like, were you burning? You had to go to the bathroom, and they'd be like, "Yeah, it's normal to burn." Like, and like you probably you have stitches, stitches down there. Like you're, you're, fine. you're okay. So I'm like, yeah, I totally am. I'm fine. So then, like, which like sorry, get a fever. I'm like SOS. <laughs> so got a UTI, and then I probably shouldn't talk about this. Talk about whatever you want to. I don't care whatever well, like, you talk we about. Are, no, we won't. We won't go there. But <laughs> stitches are very itchy. And Horribly sometimes itchy. witch hazel doesn't work. Okay, <laughs> I was very upset because I am a person of comfort. Yeah, I do not like not being comfortable, especially at night. 
So, yeah, UTI, itching, bleeding, diapers, and then you have a saggy stomach, and you're like, SOS. <laughs> like, I can't sit up. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have a saggy stomach? So My abs are not back yet, and I have been not pregnant been, for 12 hours. I know. I was like, what's wrong? <laughs> no. So, wow. The Perry bottle is my best friend. I think we talked about this. We did talk about it on our other episode. You should listen if you didn't. I still use it. She is attached unhealthily. Like, oh my gosh. Sometimes I'm like, Ruby, do you need this? It's the best. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) I just squeeze you. (laughs) I know. It's like the best. But then you heal. Ruby's awake. Oh, Ruby Girl's waking up. Okay, last thing we'll do. Yeah. Top three worst things about your postpartum experience then we'll wrap up itchy itchy hemorrhoids <laughs> okay um oh my gosh i didn't even talk about the milk the letdown painful <laughs> letdowns <laughs> we'll talk all about breastfeeding and letdown on another episode <laughs> thank you for coming today Janie. let's go get rubes okay yeah. Well, you guys, after listening to that, I just have to say that my admiration for Sarah Jane just grows and grows. I think that she is truly one of the most perfect examples of what advocating for yourself looks like. She faced her mental health head on. She utilized the resources that she knew were available to her, and she really made the decision to take care of herself so that in turn she could take care of her child in the way that she always hoped she would. Postpartum can be crazy. It's different for everybody, and so you may not experience anything that Sarah Jane experienced, or you may experience something very close to what she experienced or something kind of in between. I myself have now gone through the postpartum experience two times. I'm in the thick of it right now, and I will say that it's been different this time around than it was with my first baby. I really do think that our hormones and our situation and environment really do just play a part in our mental health and knowing beforehand what our boundaries are and what resources we have to help us make it through those hard days are really what, you know, make the biggest change in the in the long run. Thanks for being here, you guys. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and tune in next week for another one here at Undereducated.